0: Grew up in church. Uh, I was that kid, you know, they say of of pastor's kids, bored on Saturday, in church on Sunday. Like that's pretty much literally me. And um, what that means is that I have sat through a lot of sermons. I have given in many, many offerings over the years. And I've been in a lot of worship services. And so I've sung a lot of songs. And listen, I am older than I look. And so, well, that used to be true. I'm not sure it's true anymore. But but that means that I go way back, like I know some of the old songs. And so if you would allow me, because some of you, you missed a little bit of the glory back in the day of the songs that we used to sing. And so if you would permit me, I would like to just take you on a brief tour through the decades of worship ministry. Now, if, if you haven't grown up in church, you're going to be like, what has happened? You're going to want to leave, but don't. Just stay, go along for the ride, and catch up with the rest of us as we reminisce. We're gonna start in 1976 with a little song called I Will Enter His Gates. It goes like this. yes why don't we that's pure scripture bro why don't we sing that anymore Taylor take notes man alright so we're gonna jump ahead quickly into the 80s and if you went to youth group even one time in the 1980s you sang this song That's a good one. So, you guys are really enjoying this. Uh, and yes, for those of you that are really on the inside, that was John Schlitt of Petra. Okay, so moving along, uh, there in the middle of the '80s as well, there was a great song that we're gonna actually kind of focus in on today, and it's called "We Bring the Sacrifice of Praise." It goes like this: We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. Of God. I can see you singing. Some of you are like, I'm just, my heart is warmed. I haven't worshiped like this in so many years. I'm so happy for you. Now, somewhere in the 80s too, everything took on this very Jewish slant. Do you remember? Do you remember? We don't sing this very much anymore, but for a while there, we sang these songs a lot and they sounded like this. As you could tell. And I think we may have sung that song and misused the scripture, I'm not sure, but whatever. <laughs> I don't think we understood what we were singing back then. Uh, and then in the 90s, everybody, in the 90s. Yeah. That's right. In the 90s, when I entered college, came along one of the greatest worship songs of all time because it includes a key change. Here it is. I at the side I Your Forever, forever. I, Seriously, I listened to that this week as I was putting the clip together, and I was there with my headphones and my computer, and I was like. <laughs> just, I, was, I just couldn't help it. And then I, and then I went to college, and uh, while I was in college, my worldview got expanded quite a bit. And so far from I will enter his gates, my worldview changed, and I started singing songs like this one. Say bless. Hey. Say bless. Yeah. Bless. Now, Taylor's taking notes, and so next week, expect to sing, expect to sing at least that song right there. (laughs) That's one, he said, that's one, okay. (laughs) Uh, The reason I took you on that tour is because, number one, I really do love all those songs. It's some, some of the history of my life with Jesus and worship moments with him. But we're in this series about worship, and it's called Wonder. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to recapture the wonder. We're trying to recapture that moment in that key change of shout to the Lord when your hands just wanna go up because you're just caught up in the wonder and majesty of Jesus. That's what we're after in this series. And so we've talked about how we're wired for worship, how we're created to worship something. And so you're already worshiping and you're gonna worship something. So we gotta decide where to place that. Last week we talked, Pastor Ross talked about how uh, worship is about your whole person. It involves all of you. and so. As I, was, as I was ruminating on that this week, I realized, you know, when you talk about worship like that, it's very costly. Like it costs you something. And there's this verse in 2 Samuel, chapter 24, and it's about King David, and it talks about cost. Now, we find King David, he's kind of, he's messed up. He's relied on himself. He's relied on what he has instead of counting on God. And so judgment has come. He's in big trouble. And so he's repentant. And he's told that he must go make a sacrifice. And here's what he says in verse 24. He says, uh, actually, first, there's this great, he goes to this great guy, Arana. Arana, and he says, to Arana says, look, King David, take, take whatever you want. I'll, I'll give you the animals. I'll, I'll give you the altar. You, you just do whatever you want. And this is what King David says in response. The king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. I like it in the message version. It's the paraphrased translation. It says, I'm not gonna offer God, my God, sacrifices that aren't sacrifices. I'm not gonna offer God sacrifices that aren't sacrifices. It's gotta cost something. And so I wonder if in our wealthy consumer-driven, and you're like, bro, I ain't wealthy. Well, if you live in this country, and you got a roof over your head, and the reality is worldwide, we are a wealthy nation. So I wonder if in our wealthy, consumer-driven culture, I wonder if maybe we've become accustomed to offering sacrifices that don't cost much. Like Jesus, I, I give my life to you. I'm gonna serve you, so I'll hit you up on Sunday, but you know, Monday, Tuesday, those, those, those days are gonna be mine still. <laughs> I'm a Christian, but, but I just want my days the way I want them. I'm a Christian, I'll go to church, I, I read my Bible every other month, I pray twice, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing the things, but, but there's no actual change on the inside, there's no transformation. You still yell at your wife, still rough on your kids, still slipping a little under the table at work, like whatever it is. There's no transformation on the inside. It didn't cost anything. I want you to remember this series has its roots in uh, Pastor Ross's surrender solution. And so he's given us this equation. This equation is that love plus obedience is what equals worship. Love for God plus obedience. This is the heart of the surrender solution. It equals worship. And that kind of worship, everybody, is a sacrifice because obedience requires us to lay our lives down. So we're gonna talk about sacrifice today. And of course, sacrifice is a chief theme throughout the scriptures. Most of you know that sacrifice was part of the temple worship of Israel, the people of God. And so they would offer a sheep or a goat or an ox or even birds to God by spilling their blood. And the deal is that God is gonna deal with evil in the world and in us, but because he's holy and just, because God is so good, he's gonna get rid of evil and sin without destroying humanity. So he institutes this sacrificial system for his people Israel. And so the sacrifice becomes a a substitute for their sin, for their wrongdoing, for their evil. And this is what we call atonement. And if you're wondering what atonement means, this is what it means. Atone means to cover. It means to wipe away. It means to ransom by a substitute. So it's a way to deal with the power of evil and the power of sin without destroying the people that God loves so dearly. So we see this idea really early in Genesis chapter four and then in Genesis chapter eight and you've got Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's sons and Abel makes a pleasing sacrifice to God and Cain not so much. In Genesis 8, you've got Noah offering a sacrifice to God after he's rescued from the flood. And it's pretty incredible that Noah's doing this, right? Because there's a limited number of animals and he's still making a sacrifice with these precious animals that are there to rebuild the population. Have you ever thought about that? So the definition of sacrifice, though, is that. It's it's giving up something that's precious. Giving up something that might be limited. Giving up something that is highly valued, like we value ourselves and our time. So technically though, there is one earlier sacrifice that you see in the scriptures, but we tend to look over it because it happens in Genesis chapter three. And it happens when Adam and Eve, they disobey God and they go off and hide, you remember? They go off and hide and they, they use leaves to cover them up because they're embarrassed. And so in Genesis 3, 21, it says, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So there's kind of the first sacrifice. So I, I just want you to see that from the very beginning of the story, from the very beginning of the scriptures, we have the power of sacrifice, and you can see the foreshadowing of what God has planned in His Son Jesus the Messiah, who's going to become, ultimately, the ultimate sacrifice once and for all, for all sin, for all humankind. And so this idea of sacrifice it's, it's ingrained in, in sacrificial worship, which we're talking about today, it's a primary biblical concept. And everybody, it's just really essential for us if we are actually gonna do this thing. If we're actually gonna be the people of God, responding to the people of God, letting him transform us the way that he wants to. If one chapel is to go the way that God has called us to go, then we have to figure this sacrificial worship thing out. And there's no better story, I don't think, to talk about this than the story of Abraham and Isaac. Now, there's a story where Abraham, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Welcome to church, everybody. So I know that this is, you're like, oh boy. And I know this is one of those passages. And actually, people have tried to use this passage to prove that God is unjust. Why would God ask for such a thing? What kind of an unjust, cruel, ridiculously mean God do you serve that would ask somebody to do that? Why serve him? Well, we don't have time to cover all of that. However, a few comments. Number one, this is a test. We're gonna see that in a moment. And child sacrifice, it's the, it, it, it's the worst thing that we could possibly imagine. Well, God hates it too. <laughs> and also for Abraham, as he gets this word, uh, this is appalling. It's appalling emotionally. It's also appalling. Apologi- ap- 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 what's the word? <laughs> ap- thank you, appalling. It's also appalling theologically, but it is to God too. But it wasn't unheard of at the time. Because around Abraham and the surrounding areas, the other people groups, they would actually practice this child sacrifice. So no doubt, it would be confusing for Abraham. He couldn't understand it, but it would be logical culturally. The thing we have to realize is God was not going to allow him to go through with this. What God wanted to do was to show us something important. So far, actually far from God being unjust in this passage, I hope that you'll see as we go through it, this story actually points to God's sacrificial love for all of us. So we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Are you ready? Here we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. There it is. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. I wonder if that's a sign of Abraham's faith right there. So God is testing Abraham's faith. That's what the scripture told us. And Abraham knows, already knows, that God's plan is to bless the entire world through Abraham and through his descendants. And now God is testing him to see if he's the kind of man that God can use. And I just want you to realize with me that it is possible for God to test your faith too. We don't like to think that. We don't wanna think that, well, God would never do that. That's not right. That's not fair. And I think... We might say that because we're used to kind of toxic, unhealthy relationships that try to test us inappropriately. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you think, if you think your significant other is cheating on you, and so you want to test, hey, can I see your phone for a second? Do you know that test? Oh, you don't? Oh, you guys were great marriages, great relationships. That's, <laughs> I'm so happy. Or was that so serious? You're like, shit. <laughs> Okay, so you do know what I'm talking about. Hey, can I see your phone? We're used to kind of underhanded, like, let me, I'm going to test you and see what you're made of. I'm going to test you and see if you love me. I'm going to test you and find out what the truth really is. The motive is distrust, but a good teacher, everybody, always tests the students to see if they're gaining mastery over the subject. Like they want to find out, are you really getting this? Are you becoming what I want you to do? So what determines a good test or a bad test, it's the motive of the teacher. And this test is a good one. And Abraham gets the worst news possible. He says, take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him. Now remember the story, if you've heard it. They couldn't get pregnant. Now they're pregnant through the promise. And Isaac is that he's the son of the promise that God has given to bless the entire world. So this is more for Abraham than just losing a son. Abraham's looking at losing the promise that God has given him. Like this is a big, big deal. But the scripture still records the next morning Abraham did what? He got up early. He got up early, no hesitation. And we get to see the first hint of Abraham's real faith right here. And I just think this is so different from our responses so many times when God speaks. I can only speak for myself, but I feel like God says something and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. That might be the pizza that I ate last night, or maybe that's God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about that for a while. I'm gonna pray on that for a little while. I'm gonna figure that out. I'm gonna they talk to a few people. So God, if you just give me about six months, I'll get back to you on whether or not that's really you. You're much more of a Christian than I am, but that's often how I feel. That's not what Abraham does. Abraham, no hesitation, he just gets up and goes. Now, there's nothing wrong with pausing and asking, God, is this you? God, what do you want from me? That's good. It's just that Abraham does the better thing. He gets up and he goes, he obeys. Why? Because he has faith. And actually, the first time that this English word worship appears in the Bible is right here in verse five. And so I just want you to, at the get-go, I want you to see that sacrificial worship, if we're gonna get it, it starts with faith. Worship is so important, worship is such an important part of our faith because worship demonstrates what we actually believe. Worship articulates what we believe about God and what we believe that he's gonna do. And that's what Abraham is doing when he just immediately obeys God. But we don't want that. I would like to know the next step. Tell me the next step and then I'll go. Abraham doesn't know the next step, he just goes. This is the definition of faith, everybody, taking the step without knowing where it's gonna lead. Knowing where you're gonna go in the next step, that's not faith. And sometimes I think we approach sacrifice under our own strength. You know, it's the way that you, it's the way that you try to lose weight in January. It's the way that you try to manage your time. So I'm just gonna gut this out. I'm gonna sacrifice the cake, which I did not do this week. I'm gonna sacrifice, I'm gonna get up early, I'm gonna exercise, I'm gonna sacrifice, and I'm gonna lose this weight. We do it on our own abilities, when honestly, that's not the place to start the place to start with something bigger than you. And especially when you're talking about your relationship with God and the way that you worship, the the place to start with is simply faith. Because if you try to gut it out and sacrifice, you'll never make it on your own. You will fail. So it has to start with faith in God. Let's go to verse six. So Abraham, he placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, (laughs) can you hear it? Uh father? Uh yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire in the wood, the boy said, but where are the sheep? <laughs> Where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham, here he is again. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar, altar, arranged the wood on it, tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Man, this story just keeps getting worse. Isaac has the firewood on his shoulders. Abraham has the fire and the knife. They're going up the hill. And Isaac's like, Dad, what's going on, Man. Where is the sheep? And Abraham's response, again, seems to just be filled with faith that God's gonna provide. And we don't know if this is a bold declaration of faith. Son, God will provide. <laughs> it might have been that. We don't actually know. We could have, it could have just been a hope. Uh, God's gonna provide one. Or it could have been a desperate prayer. Oh, God is gonna provide one. We don't know, but honestly, I think faith can look like all of that. <laughs> Abraham may have thought that God would resurrect Isaac. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 actually says that. But in Hebrews eleven six, 6, I think we get the key. Hebrews eleven 6, it's a really famous verse. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him has to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is one of the most important worship verses in scripture. There's thousands of things that you can do to please God, but there's really only one way to do them. We do all this other stuff without faith and it doesn't please God. If faith is missing, none of it pleases Him. So why is it impossible to please God without faith? Well, because when you come to Him, when you're worshiping, when you're offering your life, you have to believe He exists. (laughs) Or else, what are you doing? (laughs) You gotta believe that He exists, that He's there, which really means you gotta believe that He is who He says He is. God, I believe that you're there and I believe that you're real. Look y'all, when I come here to service, I was down here this morning, I'm lifting my hands, why? darling? check, shout to the Lord, key change, my hands go up, why? Not because of a key change, because he's there, because I believe in him. So that's the number one thing, I gotta know that he's there, I gotta believe that he is who he says he is and he's a rewarder. He gives, he heals, he strengthens, he shows up for those people who earnestly, not flippantly, not whenever they got time. He does those things for people who earnestly seek him. So there's two things here. We gotta believe that God is who he says he is, and we gotta believe that God rewards people who earnestly seek him. You wanna worship sacrificially, you gotta have these two things. Don't start with your own strength. Don't start with your own ability. Start with, I believe that he's there. I believe that he loves me. I believe that he's got my back. I believe that he is who he says he is, that he he gave his only son, that he died on the cross, that he sent his Holy Spirit to live in me. I I believe all of that. When I get that in me, it's pretty easy to sacrificially worship. And I believe that God rewards people who earnestly seek him. I think both of these are really important. I just think most of the time we're focused on the reward. Most of the time, we're just focused on not, not who God is, but, but we come to church and like, Taylor better sing We're Blessed today, man. He said he was going to sing it. No, Taylor better sing a good song today. Like, I, 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 need, I need something. I need peace. I'm going to church. That's not bad necessarily. It's just that there's something higher and better. I think we focus too much on the reward and we miss that first part. We miss the relationship part. We miss that if God never does anything for me ever again, he's already given his son Jesus and died on the cross for me and rescued me of my sin and sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of me, giving me back. If he never blesses me one more time, it's enough. He's enough. And this is what Abraham had because Abraham was looking at losing the reward. The reward was going away. I'm going to kill this boy. God's promises apparently are going to be gone. I don't know if he's going to provide him anymore, but you know what? He's enough. He's enough. So I think you just got to get it in you that you get both. So sacrificial worship is faith in God alone and <laughs> believing that he has the ability to fix any problem. Get those two things in you, and you can worship sacrificially. Sacrifice is the purest expression of worship because it's a declaration of God's love for you and his sovereignty. Continuing on, verse 11. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. As God does, <clears throat> he provides. Abraham passes the test. And in this passage I think we just see some beautiful imagery. You got Isaac, the son, carrying the wood on his back, walking up the hill towards sacrifice. You've got Isaac, who who really is probably old enough to resist this old man, and so it seems possible, we don't know, but it seems possible that maybe Isaac actually cooperated, because he's bound and laying down on the altar. Seems like he could get up and fight. Seems like there's a chance that he's cooperating, so he's going to the sacrifice willingly. Like Jesus but at that last moment God provides the ram as a substitute to die in Isaac's place so you see pictures of the sacrificial system the way that God is going to provide to atone for his people and ultimately the lamb of God that will come to take away the sins of the world and Abraham names that place the Lord will provide Verse 15, we'll wrap this up. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. God essentially says to Abraham, Abraham. You withheld nothing from me, and so I'll withhold nothing from you. And actually, that's what Hebrews 11 says. Is if, you, if you're going to worship sacrificially and surrender willingly, he's not going to hesitate to bless you. So sacrificial worship, it actually, when you do this, when you live this way, it does actually release God's blessing, which is amazing, because I just got done saying, don't worry so much about the blessing. <laughs> Focus on him. And that's the right thing, and I stand by it. However, when you do it, He's just gonna bless you. Yeah. It's really incredible who He is and what He does. And here's the thing God is always generous, everybody. He's always generous. God gives Jesus to get rid of sin, but He also provides power to overcome temptation. He doesn't just leave you alone. God provides the law to help us see our faults, but He gives us grace to eliminate them. Yeah. God gives us the scriptures and then gives us the Holy Spirit to speak to us and illuminate them. He's generous. God puts you on the field to play the game, and then he fixes the game so that you're gonna win in the end, no matter what. That's what he does. Not like the 49ers today though. That was only for you. <laughs> it was only for you. It was only for the guy with the jersey. <laughs> the only guy. Oh, that was good. Hey, back to the scriptures, everybody, come on. If you wanna see God's miraculous provision for you, go ahead and try it, just surrender the the thing that's most precious to you, see what happens. So the point here, the point of this good test given by God to Abraham was to test his faith. He was trying to find out how much is he really willing to give? How much are you willing to give up for God? And I think that leads us to our question today. How much are you willing to give up? Abraham seems like he was willing to give up pretty much everything. His son, his only son, the promise, the future, for God. How much are you willing to give up? I heard somebody, it was Britt Hancock, I think actually this week say, you know, when you offer your life to Jesus, when you surrender and you love and obey God, you get all of the presence of God for you. You get access to everything that he has to offer you get it all the question for us is how much does he get of us how much does he get of us by the time you get to romans chapter 12 with the apostle paul here's what paul has to say therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies offer your bodies now as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Don't be like that. But instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you live this way, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So just take this term, living sacrifice, before we go back into worship here. Take this term, living sacrifice, and think about it. With everything that God has done for us, with all the past history, with all the history that these people would be listening to this written down in Romans, All the history and the imagery of sacrifices and the whole system, all that's in their mind as Paul says this. And then Paul says, now offer your body as the living sacrifice, holy, set apart. This thing, offering all of you, this is true and proper worship. Coming to church on a Sunday, this is part of it. But really, a living sacrifice is true and proper worship. And when you live like this, I think he's saying, it means that you're gonna live near. And when you live near, you're gonna understand what God's will is. Well, I don't know what to do, I don't know. Well, have you offered your body as a living sacrifice? Do you surrender on the daily? Is your mind being transformed and renewed? Are you living near? Are you a living sacrifice? then you know what God's will is. So we lay our lives down on the altar just like a sacrifice at the temple. The big difference is instead of getting killed, our sacrifice actually brings us to life with resurrection power. (laughs) That's what happens for us. And it's incredible as we die to ourselves. Now, here's what I think. Most of us are willing to lay ourselves down on the altar. Yeah, that's why I came to church, bro. Get off me, why are you going so hard on me? Most of us are willing to lay our lives down on the altar. But here's the problem with living sacrifices. They tend to get back up. The Old Testament sacrifice went down, dead, burnt. The living sacrifice, eh, it likes to get back up. So show up to church and I come to worship. I don't really feel like it. Had a bad day, looking forward to the game. Um, so I'm just going to stand here with my coffee. I don't, I don't know who this is, but we keep picking on this poor guy. Stand there with his coffee. We just keep you to stop drinking your coffee at church. By the way, there's free coffee in the back. This guy. Is this over yet? Oh, good. They only did two songs. Oh, there's two more. You know. I, instead, no, I'm... I'll take a, take a sip and i put it down. Why? Because I'm a living sacrifice. I'm going to jump back on the altar and I'm going to surrender it all. Why? Because God is who he says he is. And he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. It's worth it. I'm going to lay my life down. I had a great church service. I surrendered my life to Jesus yet again. That dude yelled at me. So I put my coffee down. And then I went and got in the car and I drove off. And that idiot pulled in front of me. What is wrong? Said the 49ers guy. I'm gonna, nope, I'm gonna get back up on the altar. I'm gonna, you know, we used to call this the altar, right? This became the altar because this is where you would come down to give up your life. And so this became called the altar in churches. So we come to the altar, but then we get up. You idiot, what's wrong with you? Nope, I'm gonna, sorry. I'm gonna get back on the altar. I'm a living sacrifice, right? Do you see it? Like things start going wrong. I, 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 my wife and we get in a fight and I'm just, what, what is wrong? you on the altar. What is wrong with you? I'm so sick of you acting like your mom. It's the worst insult I could think of. I don't know. A, tends to not go well if you ever say that. Um, I don't know from experience, 49er guy does. So, wow, we need to get back to worship. So, no, 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 no. What is wrong with you? What are, oh, oh, I'm sorry, babe. Let me crawl back on the altar. Let me get back on the, Jesus, I give my all to you, I sacrifice my life to you. I'm a living sacrifice, I'm gonna die to myself. Babe, I love you, I'm sorry. Let's get counseling, let's figure it out. Like, let's worry, do you see it? Yeah. We tend to get up, we tend to get up, get off the, don't get up, don't get up. And when you notice you get up, get back on. Okay, I'm gonna lay my life, I'm a living sacrifice. My life is yours. I die every day, I give my life to Jesus. I wanna be crucified with Christ. This is why Luke 9:23 says it. This is why he says, he says, ooh, this is why he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, deny you, take up your cross daily and follow me. This is why Genesis 2, 20, G- Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified along with Jesus. I don't live anymore. It's not me, it's him who lives in me and through me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. True worship is a sacrifice. It's the offering of your body and your mind. It's the offering of every action that you have to God. And everybody, we have one thing that Abraham didn't. We have hindsight. We have the scriptures. We have the spirit. Abraham was going solely on faith. That's why he was rewarded so greatly. We have so much more than just faith. We have faith too, but we have the whole history of what God has done, what he's provided and given. We have all of it to look at and relish and celebrate and let it inside of us to help us become living sacrifices. The only thing in this simple message that I want to get to you is, will you do it? He's already provided his spirit. He's given you everything that you need. So will you do it? Will you lay your life down? And will you do it repeatedly? Because by the way, we all got to keep doing it. We all get up, we all got to get back on. I die every day. I wake up and say, God, I give my life to you. I surrender, I crucify myself. I want to be crucified with Jesus. Help me to do that today. Every day. Some of you need it more than every day. Some of you need it every hour. Jesus, I I give my life to you. You know what happens, though, when you start doing it every hour? You pray that prayer. You offer your body every hour. Well, then you start going two hours. Then you go five hours. I'm going ten hours. Why? Because the Spirit of God is working in you, and you're kind of building that up, and you're learning something. You're becoming a living sacrifice.